Let me answer your questions. First, no, you have not read something wrong. The Racing on Ping Pong podcast is back. And secondly, no, it isn't too late to discuss the Italian Grand Prix. Without further ado, I'd say welcome guys to the Racing on Ping Pong podcast. Today we're going to discuss about the Italian Grand Prix and what happened in it in detail. We are discussing not only about the race but also about everything around it and also the things which happened in the last days. And also we have crystal balls and look into the future what will happen at Mugello at this weekend. So I think it is enough talking in the podcast. It is a very long one but filled with absolutely everything and indeed a very very good one with good opinions good talking points and good hosts IMAX this racing on ping pong and I missed it to say it but here is the racing or ping pong podcast and it's also in a new structure that's the reason why we just go right into it after the intro let's go Welcome then to the Racing or Ping Pong podcast. Yes, it's back. We are going to talk about a race again in detail. And also we are talking about some news we had in the last days, months, whatever. And today I have a guy with me with who I watched the race. So he has lived through all the emotions we have all lived through at this amazing Italian Grand Prix. Uh, I thought that we take a little bit of time until we speak about that race because... It was very, very emotional. Of course, it wasn't a typical race um, in these times. So I think that we all needed to calm down a bit and also to find time to make the podcast right now. And I've already spoken about the guy today. I have Davide with me and we are going to speak about the Italian Grand Prix news and everything else. Hello, Davide. How are you? Hi, Max. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm, I'm good. And uh, I can't, I can't wait to start this podcast. You know, a lot of things to talk about, uh, especially in the last days. We've been receiving a lot of news, and yeah, what an amazing race in Monza. We lived that together, and it was amazing. So yeah, can't wait to start. Yeah, I also can't wait to start. And with what we're going to start, that's the first question. And the first question is going to be what are our thoughts on the switch from Sebastian Vettel to Aston Martin for 2021. It was the big news in the last days. Sergio Perez got kicked out of Racing Point and although it wasn't planned to get Sebastian Vettel, he will be racing for the rebranded team next year. Davide, what were your first impressions if you, when you've read uh, the news of the switch from Sebastian? It was a big news indeed. Um, actually, a lot of people were expecting that, but uh... It completely came out of the blue. In it, you know, it uh, was um, astonishing. You know, um, Sebastian Vettel is four-time world champion, so uh, he will drive for an historical team, Aston Martin, in 2021. And yeah, uh, actually, I'm happy to to see Vettel next year because he's struggling a little bit in, uh, in his career at the moment, so he can jump back and maybe. Uh, score some good points and maybe fight for, for something, maybe for some podiums. Uh, as we've seen the uh, racing points, it's it's very competitive this year. So, yeah, I'm very happy to, to see the German in the next season. 
and what you think uh, about Perez leaving the team. Actually, if you remember well, he uh, he saved the team in 20, 2018. Yeah, I was very a bit of a bit sad at first because I mean he was racing with that team for seven years. He has been at the team. I think no driver has been longer has been there for a long time at, at Racing Point for India or however you want to call it. Um, it seems like they're changing their name every five years. Um, but yeah, I think that it is pretty pretty sad indeed because Perez is a point scoring machine. He is a very good driver. He had his highs, he had his lows um, and he has a career which is very astonishing um, to look at. He raced at McLaren, um, gained some experience with a world champion together. And uh, also next to Nick Hulkenberg, he always showed an impressive job. Also next to Esteban Ocon, Lance Stroll, he was always um, the better one of the both. And I think that he would even be uh, ahead of Lance Stroll in the championship if there wasn't uh, the thing with the with the COVID thing and him not being able to race for two races. But yeah, this it is a bit yeah shocking too. Um, he also was very surprised that he got kicked out of the team. Um, no one has told him before that they are going to plan uh, to do this move. So I think they haven't treated him the way he deserved it after seven years. But also him saying that it isn't sad and that he wants to look back at the time and want to move on um, is a positive thing, I think. There are other drivers I could think of that would react differently. So yeah, I'm very interested what the future brings for Chaco because he is one of the best drivers on the grid, um, also a very underrated driver sometimes. And I think that he deserves a spot in Formula 1. And if not, uh, I would be pretty interesting or pretty interested in, in what he's going to do in the future. What do you think? What will Checa do next year? Yeah, uh, it's, not, it's not easy now for, for Checo because uh, I don't think he has a plan B. And as a driver in Formula 1, you always need to, to have one because... Uh, Anything can happen, so I think that he needs to. He deserves another another chance in another team. Maybe Haas or even Red Bull, even if it's a little bit difficult in my opinion, or uh, I don't know uh, Alfa Romeo. Maybe but I hope to see him on the grid because, as you said, he's a little bit underrated sometimes. Uh, even though he's always been um, ahead for quite some time, he's been ahead of, of his teammate. And uh, yeah, uh, he's, he's a very good driver, so I hope he will remain on the F1 grid. Uh, he can surely show uh, what he can do. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that point. And I, but I also have a little bit of a fear when I look to the future for Czechov, because last year we had that same situation with, with Nico Hulkenberg, kind of, that they said, yeah, Nico, we have Esteban, we have Daniel with a, with a contract, so you're not available for us for 2020. Uh, so go search yourself something and then he couldn't find a seat and I fear that that could potentially also happen to Checo because we have some seats available like half the grid um, hasn't got a contract for next year um, and there's there are still several seats available for example also at the top team uh, with Red Bull um, or also at Haas, Alfa Romeo they still have seats available but I also think like he raced at Racing Point uh, this season and also finished in very good positions multiple times. He couldn't score a podium this year, but I think this is only a matter of time and uh, for a good race because Racing Point is one of the of the breakout teams this season. 
and it would be a very big step back if you would join like Haas or Alfa Romeo and there's also some very very good Formula 2 drivers who are aiming on that seat so yeah it's going to be very very critical for him um, I think the best uh, choice for him would be Red Bull but Red Bull is not known for taking drivers out of um, their or not out of their academy uh, the last driver I think they've taken um, who wasn't in the academy was David Coulthard and it was at the very beginning so yeah they're not known for that and also you have Max Verstappen there and no one wants to drive next to Max Verstappen I think because he is the guy at the team so yeah Checo has some seats available but I don't think that these seats are really a good thing do you think that it will be a step back definitely or he should do that to still stay in Formula 1 or should he rather just go and close the chapter F1 just take another seat in another series where he will probably get a better one? If we look at the teams in which he can go at the moment, uh, it's it's a, it's a step back for sure. Um, but he can bring some money so he can help the team, maybe with the sponsors. And yeah, the main problem for Checo, in my opinion, is that, as you said, young drivers from Formula 2 uh, are aiming for a Formula 1 seat and a lot of uh, team principals like uh, Mattia Binotto or even uh, Helmut Marko, I think, they said that Mick Schumacher and, uh, for Ferrari and Tsunoda for Red Bull uh, are ready for a Formula 1 seat, so um, it's it's not easy for Checo to find the, to find the seat, but um, know uh, that in Formula 1 uh, the money are very important, so Checo can can bring a lot of money and the teams uh, of course they, they they are looking for uh, strong drivers who very fast drivers Checo is one of them uh, as the formula 2 as, as some formula 2 drivers but can bring uh, some money that can surely help the team but yeah uh, if he goes to if he will go to us or or Alfa Romeo I think it's going to be a step back in for, for his career yeah, also the Ferrari engine, we are not knowing what will happen next year. I mean, no one expected that Ferrari is going to be so bad after one season. I mean, they haven't had that really good season, that season that they have looked for the championship. They've never achieved that since uh, 2007 with Raikkonen uh, for the drivers in 2008, I think, was the last Constructors' Championship from Ferrari. So, I don't think um, that he will be in a good car the next year. But he is a very good midfield team driver, so maybe he can stretch something out of the car. Maybe also Sebastian Vettel. It will be very interesting to see what they both can achieve in those cars. Moving on, we had spoken about Yuki Tsunoda uh, in Red Bull and AlphaTauri. That brings me to the next question, because we had a very, very shocking switch um, mid-season last year, with Pierre Gasly being demoted to AlphaTauri and Alexander Albon after just having been uh, in F1 for half a year, being taken up to Red Bull to the fury of also Daniel Kvyat, who thought, yeah, give me my second chance. I mean, Albon hasn't got the experience, um, and now Kvyat seems to be the one who is really in the, in the dangerous danger seat at the moment when it comes to the Red Bull teams. Um, yeah, and what happened from then on was just magical. I mean, Albon is struggling next to Max Verstappen, like Gasly did, and Gasly himself is just doing his job at his best. He had so many low uh, moments. He has lost one of his best friends in, in Antoine Hubert. He has also got 
his, his house rocked um, in the last weeks. Also, in general, the, the demotion to, to Alvatore was not a thing that you want to have as a driver. But he always looked up, he achieved his podium, he achieved his first Formula 1 win. And Albon, meanwhile, hasn't even got a podium in, to in a top team car. Um, and some also said, yeah, Gasly back to Red Bull, is that an option? And Helmut Marko said, no, he isn't in consideration for the seat. Um, in my opinion, I have to say that I think it is a good thing because Gasly at AlphaTauri is in the position of the clear leader at the team. He is in a position of, yeah, he won the race, he is outscoring his teammate everywhere. I think today Kvyat has outscored him in uh, qualifying for Mugello, but that was the second time in the season that Gasly was slower than him. But Gasly is like completely rushing through it and bringing the results, Kvyat is not, and at Red Bull he would be the one next to Max Verstappen and the car would be very difficult to drive because it's like a driving style from Max Verstappen which no other driver on the grid has. Um, so I think it wouldn't be a good switch either. But do you think that Gasly to Red Bull would have been an option for 2021 or do you think it's better to stay at AlphaTauri or maybe also to, to search for other adventures out of the, the Red Bull bubble? I think that uh, for 2021, Gasly in Red Bull could be could be an option. I mean, if I were in Gasly, I would finish this year, this year in uh, Alfa Tauri. Then I try uh, again in Red Bull, even though, I mean, next to Max Verstappen, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not easy. But uh, he improved a lot since he left Red Bull last year. So I think he can now uh, up to the challenge and try uh, beat Max Verstappen. It's not an easy decision to make because, as you said, he's the the leader in AlphaTauri and he achieved the podium and uh, and the win last week. Uh, but I think he needs to, he needs to try to get Red Bull to a top team because um, AlphaTauri won the race, uh, but thanks to the circum circumstances, Red Bull he can actually win week by week, or race by race. The car is uh, it's very com competitive, and yeah, uh, Albon and, and Kvyat are, are risking because Albon scored two podiums and he got he was unlucky, but it's he's not uh, very very close to, to Max in terms of uh, of pace. I think that in 2021 we'll see Pierre Gasly in Red Bull, and I think Kvyat will maybe retire and the album will go back to Alpha Tauri, maybe. Oh, yeah, then we already have a prediction for 2021. Um, my prediction for the whole Red Bull and Alpha Tauri seats would be that I think that Pierre Gasly will stay at Alpha Tauri. He will stay the leader um, because he has, in my opinion, no real reason to, to give that position up because I don't think that there is anyone um, at the moment who can get him in danger in that position. Kvyat not, and also uh, I think that Kvyat will indeed uh, retire or even switch to another team, but the same thing like for Paris. Um, I think they will take up Tsunoda, because Tsunoda is showing incredible um, results uh, in Formula 2 uh, for Carlin. He's doing a good job. I don't know how it's looking for him with, with super license points and stuff, but I think that he will definitely be, be in a shot for, for this thing, for the seat uh, at AlphaTauri for next year. And for Kvyat, he has gotten so many chances. He was he was out of the sport. He was in the sport. He was demoted. He was promoted. 
it was like ups and downs, ups and downs, but he could never really deliver. Also, when he was at Red Bull, he couldn't score these amounts of podiums that, for example, Danny Ricciardo has scored. He has he hasn't improved um, that much. He's still young with 24, but I think there's nothing more to stretch out from him. So yeah, he hasn't shown the results he was able to show. So I think uh, his time in Formula One will be over for 2021 and they will take Tsunoda. But I think the Red Bull with, will either stay with Albon, um, although I think it's not the best thing for, for Albon. He is also, I think, like 24, 25, 23, something like that. Um, so he's not that young as, for example, a George Russell is or also Charles Leclerc. Um, so he's like not the talent talent anymore. Um, maybe they're also deciding to kick him out one day and take another driver from from outside like uh, like Ferrari did with Sainz. Um, but yeah, let's wait and see what will happen in this topic. Let's wait and see also what will happen at Williams. I think this season is a season they can be happy with. Um, they haven't scored a point yet. And also in some qualifying sessions, they are still in 19th and 20th and completely out of com competition for, for good position at the front. Um, like for example, also in qualifying for the race we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, yeah, the Williams family has stepped away from Formula One. After I think like over 40 years it were, uh, with Frank Williams and also with, with his daughter then Claire Williams. It's just a rare thing uh, in these days that a family owns a team and that the team is really family family ruled. We have that in, in Formula 2 still with Carlin. Um, so it's very sad to see them stepping away. I've always liked uh, Frank and Claire Williams. The team had something for me. It's not only one of the most traditional teams but it's also one you have to like because they never, they never gave up. I mean, look at the last seasons from, I think 2016 was still a good one, but 2017, 18, 19, they were like going down, down, down. And it was like just a nightmare, but they've always said, yeah, we are going to get back. And also 2022, the new regulation changes might, might get them back to higher positions. Um, so yeah, what were your emotions when you've read the news of Claire Williams? Um, surprisingly deciding to step away after Italy. Of course, uh, it was a very sad news. I got actually, I got the boost goosebumps as well. I, I'm young, so I didn't see the, the success of, of, of Williams, but uh, the story, uh, we, we all know the story. So it's, it's a very sad news. Luckily, Williams will stay in the sport until 2025. And yeah, as you said, they always fought and uh, that they that they will get back to the top because that's the spirit of Formula One. Luckily, they're struggling uh, this year. We we've seen some improvements, luckily, and uh, we may see them uh, scoring some points next year. Actually, I hope they will score some. They will score some points next year. So because they have a very talented driver, uh, which is uh, George Russell, and if he can a competitive car uh, at least for the midfield they can show his, uh, his real talent and so yeah I hope they will they will get back on top yeah same for me I mean George Russell is really one of the most talented drivers on the grid of course he hasn't got the car to show that but it's today in, in Mugello the qualifying he has set uh, his 30th 
win uh, in qualifying against his teammates, 30 to zero against both combined Latifi and Kubica. Of course, Kubica was another thing um, because it, I think it was like more about him being back and impressively still. He was two seconds back uh, in qualifying, but I think he was still driving better with with that injury on his arm than normal uh, live people would do or even also some some other racing drivers so that's still a very impressive thing um but yeah also what i asked myself when i looked onto the whole williams topic they have a new team principal i think simon roberts uh he was called he was in the team before in another role i think uh as i read it but yeah the williams family is away dorothy capital has taken over the, the team do you think that the Williams name, team name will stay or do you kind of fear that the that Doralton will say yeah it's our team now let's change the name we don't give a shit on the history it's our team now we can we can decide do you think that they will do that or do you think that they still respect all the tradition and all the legacy that Williams has yeah of course uh, I think that everyone hopes that the Williams name will will stay and yeah uh, Dorinton Capital Dorinton Capital sorry um, I hope they will understand that uh, the history of Williams is is amazing and uh, I think they I hope they will understand to keep the name but yeah I fear that um, it's going to happen the, the, the completely the complete opposite I think they will uh, they will name team um, differently uh, because you know it's a very uh, you know having a team in formula one with with your name it's uh, it's something very important uh, speaking about money uh, and that's 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 what they want they want to 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 earn money uh, but i think uh, that the williams name deserves to, to stay in formula one and yeah what what you think about that do you think they will they will change the name or they will uh, the Williams name on the car? Um, I think they will keep it because Williams, although they are not achieving the results they once achieved in their history, still I think if we, if we ask our parents when they are motorsport interested and say yeah Williams, they will all think about these glorious times uh, from Williams with, with Nigel Mansell, Red 5, um, also today's Red 5 has, has bought one of the cars so apparently it has been a very big name and also for example also ferrari they can struggle for 10 more years but still the name ferrari is so big and yeah also connected with so much history and so much achievements and incredible wins that it will forever stay as something traditional and positive um i think for example yeah we have like three names on the, or also maybe four with Red Bull uh, on the grid um, where you directly think of, of success in Formula 1 which are Mercedes, Williams, Ferrari and also for example Alfa Romeo so Williams is really a name where you can be proud of to, to have that, that team no matter how good it is um, because everybody will never forget these these big times um, it's also like for drivers like for teams um, so yeah I think they will keep the name um, Williams and I also hope that because I like that team very much. Yeah, it's an historical team, so names remain. Uh, if the name remains, uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be awesome. I think I hope they will understand that they need to keep it the history of Formula One. Yeah, 
And also, for example, Renault got, new, uh, got renamed for 2021 into Alpine F1 team. Um, but Renault is something else. I mean, Renault is an iconic brand. Uh, there's no question about that. But the, the Renault team name has just been Dell from 2016 on and not for 40 years. So apparently that's, uh, I hope that Williams will not suffer the same uh, that, for example, the Sauber team suffered where they said, yeah, Alfa Romeo, although Alfa Romeo is also an amazing name. Um, but yeah, I really hope that the name stays long, although the family isn't anymore. But I think they will still um, enjoy the racing in Formula One. Also speaking about Williams, um, we had a driver from them, uh, a young academy driver, um, driving for them in free practice one, which is the Israeli Roy Nissani. He's racing for Trident in Formula 2. And that also brought me to the question, we have some F2 drivers and driver academies um, from Formula 1 teams. We have, for example, when I just think about Mercedes, they have Ocon still, who is currently at Renault. Um, but also Esteban Gutierrez is also connected with them, although he isn't a young driver. Um, but yeah, also Ferrari. Of course, Schumacher, Arlet, Schwarzman, that trio uh, is outstanding there. I think Armstrong and Alesi are not in that position that they can be important for Ferrari in the future, sadly. Uh, then we have uh, Haas also with Dallatress and Fittipaldi. Um, and also Red Bull with Derovolo, with Tsunoda. And so also Williams with uh, Tickton has made some very interesting team radios today. Um, and yeah, Jack Aitken, Ronnie Sani. Do you think that apart from the from the Ferrari guys, a driver from Formula 2 in a F1 driver academy still has a chance to move up? Like for example, a Jack, Jack Aitken has been a consistent Formula 2 driver, but kind of has suffered from, from Alonso switching or also Lundgaard, Joe. Um, do you think that anyone apart from the Ferrari guys uh, has a chance to step up in the future? Of course, the, the comeback of, uh, of Alonso, it's, uh, it's not good for the young drivers. And actually, a lot of people complained about uh, old drivers coming back or not leaving the sports, like, for example, Raikkonen. And I think that maybe Tsunoda has a possibility, as we said before, um, for Alpha Tauri. He's doing very, very well in, uh, in Formula 2. And I think that maybe one of Williams' drivers uh, in Formula 2 going to, to step up to Formula 1 uh, because I don't think that uh, Latifi is performing performing well enough. I think they will try to, to change something. Maybe uh, Jack Aitken or uh, Nissany will, will have, will have a, a shot in Formula 1. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, apart from them, maybe um, in, yeah, as you said, the Ferrari drivers, I think they will be in Formula 1. Uh, at least Schumacher, I guess. And Noda uh, and and Aitken maybe these are the three names, uh, which, in my opinion, are going to be in Formula One next year. And what, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, uh, think I've just uh, opened up the list of Williams driver academy drivers to be sure, and we have Jamie Chadwick, Dan Tickton, Ryan Sony, and um, Jack Aitken who has switched from the Renault Academy. And yeah, you've mentioned Williams, that the, that the Williams driver, apart from the Ferrari one, um, is likely to step up um, in 2022, of course, because Latifi has a contract for next year, uh, where I think money is, is a big thing. But now the team is sold. Now they have another um, 
owner of the team who has that money with their own capital. So they're like not forced to keep Latifi because of money. So they can go wild. They have a driver academy. They can get up. Um, they can really get up the drivers. I think Jamie Chadwick, I've not followed her too much, but I think it's still a long way. Dan Tictum also, um, he had a long race ban, I think one or two years, uh, where he wasn't able to race and also he is also criticized a lot. Uh, I don't think that he's a net shot out. Ronnie Sarni has done some great jobs um, also in Formula 2, uh, although he's racing for Trident. But I think Jack Aitken is really also my bet, and I would think it would be pretty cool. I mean, this guy has waited in the Renault Academy for so long, then the seat was open uh, for next year, and then Renault just said, yeah, there's like just no no real um, plan with you. Um, they prefer taking Ocon from Mercedes and, and taking their young Academy drivers, which apparently is a very yeah, many people have really not understood that move, which is understandable from both race, uh, ways, it's positive and negative. But yeah, I think also that Jack Aitken will step up and we finally see WTF1 on an F1 car. That will be amazing. Um, yeah, I <laughs> so agree with you. Jack, Jack Aitken will step uh, up in Formula 1. Yeah, for 2022, I am with you in this topic. So, we are shortly before coming to the Italian Grand Prix and the Italian Grand Prix also had a very interesting question which was asked afterwards um, concerning the win from Pierre Gasly and also the restart um, we had, I think it was the first ever time in Formula 1, that we had a standing start after a red flag and then we saw Lance Stroll in P2, Gasly P3 and also I think the Alfa Romeos were behind that when are we ever going to see that again in the future? Well, I don't know. Um, we never know what's going to happen, especially after that race. Um, but there was also, also the question of, shall F1 bring reserve grids um, into the regulations for the future? What is your opinion on that? Reserve grids in Formula 1, is that the future the revolution to really get the racing close again, to give midfield teams even more the chance to win um, and take away a bit of the pace and the, the um, chances of winning uh, that constantly from Mercedes and co. Um, what are your thoughts about um, that idea? I think uh, trying that would be would be pretty pretty cool. You know, uh, I think it's um, you need to, to try and change uh, to give the possibility to other teams to maybe score podiums or you know uh, have more exciting races, uh, even though I've read some some uh, some posts uh, of people saying that yeah, uh, the, the reverse grid would be a nice idea, but we didn't see many many overtakes in in Monza, which is true. But maybe it was it would be different in another on another track, you know, where you can overtake more. And uh, to think about Monaco, maybe. If you start with a with a worst grid, you can have I don't know maybe Williams or Alfa Romeo scoring a podium, or you can <clears throat> have a lot of accidents uh, happening because top drivers try to, to overtake lower cars. I think yeah, in my opinion, Formula One uh, should should try uh, that worst grid. Uh, maybe they could try it this year because you know it's uh, it's weird. 
it's a weird uh, season this one or maybe for just for some races they they could try it and see how it goes uh, but yeah uh, changing is uh, is always good in my opinion so uh, they should try well, what do you think uh, will it bring uh, more exciting races or it's going to be the same uh, with mercedes or a top team winning so first of all i really like your quote saying that changes are always a good thing especially in formula one um i totally agree with that sentence but i kind of have mixed views onto that topic because on one hand you've mentioned that top team drivers are in risk of crashing um, because of midfield drivers. We've also seen that with Charles Leclerc last year in Monaco where he was at the back and then he was storming through and collided uh, ending his race um, and still letting him wait for, for Monaco finish in his career which is very sad but yeah that's another topic. Um, I think that I would rather say I'm against that idea because I kind of have that feeling that the top team drivers won't be very happy with that and although they've all signed the Concord agreement um, to connect them to F1 until 2025, I think they they still will say yeah we, we're totally against it and maybe F1 is also risking to lose some uh, top teams through that because if I for example would be in the position of Mercedes I would say yeah they're forcing us to start 20th although we have qualified very well and I think that also in qualifying there could be weird moves happening with the top teams like not being interested in setting up new lap records although they could just going slowly because they know yeah we want that pole for next race to just pull away because we have the quickest car and if that happens it will be a total nightmare and the idea would have failed incredibly but on the other hand I think it's also worth a try uh, we had that revolution in, in qualifying, I think in 2014 or something, where they said, yeah, every 1 minute 30 or something, uh, the slowest driver is out. That was a big fail, so they said, yeah, we're going to cancel that after, I think, already two or three races. It uh, wasn't a good idea uh, to, to try that out. Um, but it's worth a try to see what happens. Um, but it's also very difficult in terms of the championship. if. Mercedes, for example, will then lose the championship by some points. They will say, yeah, it was because of that reserve grid. So it's it's worth a try, but you either have to try it and completely everyone has to agree with it or you just don't risk it because the fastest car is, in my opinion, the car that deserves to win. And although it would be cool to see the slower cars fighting for wins, um, it won't also be a, a very deserved championship then because the drivers deserve to be champion after they deserve to win the title that's what we had in formula one for over 70 years so i think it would be cool to see what will happen but um i think that would be nothing for me to see the reserve um grid with with an eye on on the top teams although i think that the images of for example as you said williams scoring a podium i would also uh, say yeah i want to see that but to be realistic, I don't think that it is an, an option. And also, I think Formula One itself said that it isn't. Yeah, and actually, you're right. Uh, I didn't think about that. Um, I didn't think about you know uh, the qualifying session. They should change that as well because uh, they, if they want to start first, uh, they can. You no, know, I, I don't say crash. I wouldn't say crash, but. They could go slowly and get a P20, so starting P1 on the grid. So they should change also other things, for example, the qualifying. 
Um, yeah, maybe I think I agree with you. It's 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 worth the, the try. And uh, but as you said, Formula One, it's not really into it, and I don't think they will will try it. Yeah, we have that reserve grid uh, scenario in Formula 2, but that's also only the top 8 which are switched around. And in Formula 2 it's something else, because the cars are identical, there's no... Of course they are like top teams still, because some teams are working harder than others, some are having better drivers than others. Um, but in Formula 2 it's still very equal and not... Um, there aren't the gaps um, that we see in Formula 1. What we saw in Formula 1 was a very, very exciting and interesting um, 2020 Italian Grand Prix where we're returning to Italy for this weekend for the first ever Toscan Grand Prix and also celebrating the 100th, uh, no, not the 100th, the 1000th Grand Prix um, for Ferrari in their F1 history, which is an incredible number. Uh, if you take into account that Formula 1 has just celebrated their 1000 race, I think, last year in China. So Ferrari's in there for a long time, longer than any other team. Um, and so I think it's it's also very good that Formula 1 itself say, yeah, we're returning the safety car into a red car. We're naming the Grand Prix um, in honor of Ferrari. That's a really honorable thing. But we are, first of all, not looking forward. That's what we're going to do later on. But we're going to look back at the Italian Grand Prix. Davide, we have rushed the race together. Um, I've literally never seen such a race in my life where we had the pit lane being closed. That's one of the rarest things I think uh, that we can see in Formula 1 and we kind of only see it at some particular circuits. We had a red flag for the first time since years. It had everything, everything but the expected. Um, so if you look back onto the race which is a bit more than or a bit less than, than a week ago, what are your impressions? On the race, still. Yeah, we literally have had to have, have everything, and uh, yeah, we watched the race uh, together, and it, it was amazing. Uh, it was uh, everything wasn't going to as planned, so it was great race, and yeah, a lot of emotions, especially seeing uh, Gasly the podium on the the highest step of the podium uh, with his uh, with his trophy. Thinking about I don't know many things. I guess his his career, his last uh, last eighteen months about Antoine Hubert. Uh, but yeah, overall the race was literally amazing, and we, we we've really seen the real uh, what Formula One can really show. And yeah, I think we will have to wait uh, a lot since. Um, we can have a race, uh, uh, a race like that. It was, it was the, maybe the best, the best race this, this season, of course, and maybe the best race in I don't know, in the, of the, the last 10, 10 years, maybe. Yeah, from from the results, definitely. I mean, of course, Mercedes win so often, and of course, these wins mean a lot to them because it's hard work which is paid out. But if a midfield driver like Gasly wins such a race. Um, so unexpected, starting 10th and just rushes through, keeps focused and drives an elite for so many laps in an all Tory. Then to see the emotions, it's like just everyone had goosebumps um, after seeing all these emotions. I mean, if Mercedes win, they're celebrating that. But if, for example, 
Alpha Tori wins. It's something else. The whole team is going crazy. Even if it's just a podium, but they have just won. Pierre Gasly asked, what did we do? They have just won a race. It's so unbelievable to say that still. Um, but yeah, they, Pierre Gasly is a race winner and you could just see what it meant to him. Um, and I think it, Italy as the, track, as the track itself and as the race itself has always been a very entertaining race in terms of, yeah, it is a great track and it has some, some great history, but it's not only a track where everybody says, yeah, there's not much overtaking, but it's really one of the most emotional um, races. 2019 was one, then the last race. So there's always a thing I look up to. And yeah, I'd also rate it as the race of the season. Austria was a very good one. I still see also Lando score his first podium in F1, which nobody would have thought before. But also the thing with Gasly, as you've mentioned, the last 18 months for him have just been a roller coaster. And then to to come back to Spa um, at a race where one of his best friends has lost his life a year ago, to, to see Gasly standing there uh, after Radion laying down flowers, it was really emotional. And then just 10 days later, you see him at the peak of his career. That is just, I mean, if I am asked to show someone what Formula One is all about or to hold, to hold a presentation at school where they ask me, yeah, you have one minute time, just show us videos to show how good Formula One is. I will really take these two races uh, with an eye on Pierre Gasly because that is like the emotional part of Formula One, which we all Love. Gasly also got voted as, uh, as driver of the day afterwards. Um, I think it's deserved. There were many candidates for this uh, award. Uh, let's say, call it like that. But he has just kept focus from P10 all over up to P3 um, at the restart. Then he had Stroll in front of him and Hamilton, who was out of competition already back then because everybody knew that there was this penalty for Hamilton, uh, which we are also going to speak about in some minutes but yeah the only thing Gasly had to do was to overtake Stroll and to keep ahead of the cars behind and he did so he did all he was he, he did all he could do there was nothing he could do better and uh, pace wise I mean his fastest lap was uh, a 124.0 Gasly was indeed quicker um, also Stroll was quicker Bottas was quicker Ricardo so many cars behind him but he still kept his foot down and drove an amazing race but he got voted driver of the day, but is he deserved as a driver of the day in your opinion? And who else were the candidates in your opinion to could have won this? I think the driver of the day was really deserved. And uh, I think I would have voted him as well. Uh, yeah, as you said, there were many candidates uh, for that, that uh, award. But yeah, we, we've spoken about uh, the race that he he, uh, he, did, he he led the race uh, in an amazing way uh, we said it was easy but you know as a driver it's it's not it's not easy at all yeah you know to you know you have to uh, do everything right and he did it uh, yeah i think what deserved it he deserved it and i think the, the other driver that uh, we could have voted was maybe carlos Sainz. He was very close to taking the victory, just uh, four tenths behind Gasly. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, the best day for Gasly. It 
to win the race. So I think he really deserved that 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 word. Yeah, I think there's no mm. question on. Uh, yeah. Uh, would you say the same? I mean, would you uh, do you think that Gasly is the driver of the day, or would would you think another driver deserved that the word? Um. So Gasly is fully deserved for me too. Um, I think there's no one who could say he doesn't deserve it. Um, although there are other candidates, so in these moments I always wish I could vote for more than, than one driver. Um, yeah, you can't any decision. What? Sounds an easy decision. Yeah. It, it was it wasn't an easy decision at all um, at that race because it had everything. Um, and also yeah, you've mentioned Carlos Sainz. Uh, Lewis Hamilton has set the fastest lap, but Sainz was the second quickest car uh, on track, so he was really quicker than Gasly. Um, and yeah, it's a bit of a shame for him. He, after the race, he said, I don't know if I should cry or if I should be proud. Because, of course, he achieved the podium in the McLaren. Um, when you see where McLaren was some years ago in, the, in these times of Baton and Alonso and Van Dorn, they weren't in these positions of scoring wins at all and now they're constantly fighting for the podiums and also benefiting from Ferrari struggling much and much and they've really yeah stepped up and uh, also brought back McLaren to where it belongs and of course it is a shame that he didn't win because I think everybody would also be happy with, with Sainz winning um, he's in Formula 1 since 2015 he's a driver who's always performed who has also had many ups and downs, uh, who was also at Red Bull, then decided to switch to Renault, um, and now he's at McLaren and fighting for the podium. And I think he really deserved that. He was also a very, a very good driver um, around that, but I think Gasly or Sainz, I really couldn't decide on uh, who was the driver of the day for me. Um, but to bring in other names than Sainz and Gasly, I think you can also say that Lewis Hamilton kind of could have deserved it um, because it's called driver of the day, it's from the driving. Um, of course it was a little bit of a misunderstanding and a shame uh, that he got the penalty. It was not really a clever thing to do uh, from both Hamilton and Mercedes. We all don't know um, who really was at fault there. There was an axe um, at the end of Parabolica as I rewatched it. Um, there were even two uh, which were placed. There was also like a report where you can see yeah they, they have been placed um, so that wasn't clever thing to do but in the end he kept focused um, what is very very yeah I, f I don't think that Hamilton is like the driver who's keeping focus when he's at the back I mean we had that at Hockenheim where he was also struggling at the back and he said yeah retire the car retire the car I don't want um, I don't see a point when I'm not going to have the chance to win uh, I'm not going to really give it everything but he did give it everything and that's the thing I kind of up high and he still managed to finish uh, to finish seventh of course he had this the, the quickest car uh, it is an easy task but he still made smooth overtakes and did a great job so for me he's also up there um, then when we also go um, through the standings again um, we also have uh, Nicholas Latifi um, who stayed up and focused and also we have um, Alanda Norris who sadly didn't achieve the podium. He was looked to achieve um, 
he was kind of a victim of the red flag and all these situations around. But he also kept his foot down and um, drove a good race. But yeah, to come to an end um, with this section, I think for me drivers of the day, um, either Sainz or Gasly, but I I don't want to decide because Gasly or Sainz, I think both would have deserved that win. It uh, was really amazing. Yeah, I agree. Maybe I would give a uh, drive of the day to, to Gasly just for what he's been through uh, these last uh, 18 months, as we said before. Yeah, I, it's very hard to, to decide uh, between Sainz and Gasly. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you with uh, Hamilton being one of the best drivers on Sunday. Because uh, he's always, I mean, complaining when he's behind, when he's uh, at the back. But uh, actually, he always push, uh, he always pushes the car to, to its limits and he made a, a very good recovery. Yeah, so... Yeah, coming from a tough decision of the driver of today to another tough decision um, about the loser of the day. There, that award isn't there, sadly, because I think there would be great memes around it. But the loser of the race, and there are several candidates, I don't think that they are proud to be candidates of that. Um, but I think I also would place Lewis Hamilton in there. I think he deserves to be driver of the day for the for the second stint and also for the first a bit but in general he just he was just a loser of the race i mean he qualified on pole he did the quickest lap he was one second faster in the race than anyone else he was on his way to win and in the end he finished seventh um and completely messed it up um so yeah only two drivers did that mistake um with driving uh, into the closed pits and he was one of them that's clearly a, lo a loser also for me um, then we also have two different team, uh, two, two other teams, which I can count up there. One is Red Bull, clearly. Albon just finishing in 15th, when no one knew what is going on there, why he isn't pushing through these midfield teams. He finished behind an Alfa Romeo, a Williams and a Haas, but actually behind both Williams. And um, if Giovinazzi wouldn't have got the penalty, Albon would have been in last in, in a Red Bull, which is a clear shame and also wasn't the best thing for him to happen and that was kind of the chance yeah Verstappen is out and he couldn't deliver of course at Austria it was kind of the same but at Austria it was very unlucky with Hamilton there but now he really had the chance and nothing hindering him and he couldn't take it he was happy with P9 qualifying even his teammate couldn't understand why so that race was really not um, the best for Albon then also we have Ferrari, not in particular the drivers, I think Leclerc and Vettel didn't do many things wrong, um, they just tried to do the best out of the car which isn't competitive this year, but Ferrari in general, I mean it cannot be true that Sebastian Vettel suffers a brake issue um, in this way uh, at such a track like Monza with high speed corners and he was very lucky in the end that it was at turn one where you can just go straight um, when it would have been at another corner, I think it would have been way more worse. Um, and so I think I would also say Ferrari definitely up there. And um, also Dan Ricciardo and Esteban Ocon because Renault at Spa they showed great pace. And uh, they qualified higher than actually Gasly for example. And uh, could have gone for better results. And they just finished in 6th and in 8th. 
um, which still are good points, but not that what they could have extract, uh, extracted out of the car. And a little loser for me is also Afro Mayo. There was so much I had um, at the restart. Um, of course, Antonio had to still come in for the penalty, but Kimi just had no chance in that car. Uh, it's really not competitive, but I think it was more about the car, not about the performance. So to come to a conclusion, um, loser of the day, it's another tough decision, but I would give it to Ferrari, 100%. 2019, they were celebrating um, at Monza, and 2020, I think they could just sit there and cry. I completely agree. I'd go with Ferrari as well. You know, home Grand Prix and you DNF both both cars for the brake failure and the other one, yeah, completely lost it uh, on the last corner. Uh, both due to uh, maybe hot, uh, maybe old tires and both because the car it's it's very difficult to drive. Yeah, I'd go with the with Ferrari as well, 100%. Yeah, I think there's also with regards to that it was their home race, there's like no uh, bigger loser. Um, although there are also teams like um, Red Bull struggling. I mean, Alex Albon with that uh, result he's achieved at Monza, to still not be the one everybody is speaking about negatively is so lucky for him in the end. Um, so yeah, let's come from a current Red Bull Junior to an older Red Bull Junior. He finished P2, best result of his career, second podium of his career and we've talked about that ghastly science situation a bit before and just to ask you a simple question, um, could science have won the race um, in the if everything would have happened like it happened and how McLaren could have won it in a more easier way and could have beaten Gasly? I think that McLaren uh, were looking very good. You know, we also thought about uh, McLaren one two. Yeah, they they've got the race ruined by the by the red flag. You know, with Hamilton uh, having a ten second penalty, stop and go penalty, uh, they were looking very good. You know, they could have scored a podium. Uh, they could have achieved the win for sure. Maybe a one two finish. And so yeah, maybe they are also the losers uh, of the day. Uh, but yeah, overall a great performance from them. Uh, I know they they wanted the victory. Uh, also, signs speaking to his, um, his mechanic, um, he said that uh, he wanted the, the win. But yeah, the car wasn't uh, maybe quick enough to to close the gap with Gasly and overtake him and overtake him. Uh, yeah, signs uh, said that he needed maybe one more lap, and maybe it was true. But yeah, overall, I think for them, uh, seeing the the last years, uh, last few years, uh, it's it was a great, great race and a great result. P two and P four, lot of points. Uh, they are sitting very high on on the standings, in the championship standings. So uh, I think they should be happy with with that result. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, P two, P four um, for a team like McLaren, this situation, there's nothing to say. Um, negative to it. Of course they had the chance to win, that's no doubt. Um, they could have won it easily uh, from pace on, they were quicker um, than Gasly or at least Science was a lot quicker and Science felt really comfortable all uh, weekend long. I mean he finished third in uh, qualifying, uh, McLaren was very surprising there, always up there 
um, with the pace. So everybody kind of knew that McLaren is in consideration for for a podium, that they can win it in the end. Nobody has fought it. But yeah, indeed, I also think that they've lost it at the red flag. Um, you couldn't... I mean, let's quote Sebastian Vettel. Um, I've got bolts, but none of them is crystal. So I think that also the McLaren team has balls, but none of them was crystal and could foresee what's going to happen with that whole Magnussen-Leclerc situation, which caused the safety car on the red flag. Um, so, yeah, I think the positive thing for Gasly was that he was uh, pitted before McLaren, um, that he went onto new tyres, overtook them, did an undercut he didn't uh, plan to do. I don't think that he wanted to undercut the McLarens. Because in the end, I think the McLarens could have got him because of all the tires. But then at the red flag, they all um, fitted new tires. So it was on to zero then. And um, I think Gasly uh, was, yeah, he was third and Sainz was on P6 or something. So that was clearly an issue that McLaren was so far behind. Normally they could have fought back, but it was just on luck that they were so far behind and Gasly could have just went for it. And if Gasly could, would have done a mistake, McLaren would be there, but he just had Stroll in front of him, um, so Gasly could win it and take the 25 points. But Science still did a very incredible job, so I think from Science's point of view there was nothing he could have done better, he was quicker than Gasly, I mean there's not much you can do more to get him. Um, he had DRS, of course he could have tried an overtake, but also his engineers said stay calm, don't do anything wrong, because having 18 points or 25 uh, and, and want to get 25 or having zero is, is a big difference. So yeah, one lap more, I think he could also get uh, got him, but yeah, it happens and then we saw the French winner since 1996. Yeah, uh, it was a shame for, for Carlos Sainz. Um, you know, next year he's going to drive for Ferrari. And you know, uh, arriving in Maranello with with a win, uh, the pocket would be would be better. But you know, is must be happy with with the P two. Uh, you know, we, he, he doesn't have the, the car to win the race. So uh, McLaren did a very good job, and of course, they couldn't uh, they couldn't think about a red flag or something else. So they just they took out the maximum out of the race and it's good for them. Yeah, and also um, the same I think it was also for AlphaTauri. They couldn't foresee what's going to happen. And I also questioned their strategy a bit because they came in very early. Um, so, yeah, I think also that, uh, they came in as Magnussen was already standing there. And everybody thought, yeah, it's not going to be safety car, but in the end it was one. So, uh, I think they came in knowing something could happen like a safety car, but they haven't waited. And then the pits were closed, which was also a sign for, for McLaren that they should wait. And then they were uh, also said to you, yeah, they're just standing there and they're just waiting as long as they have to, to then double stack them as fast as they can. In the end, it was the wrong decision, but uh, you couldn't foresee that. Yeah, we've talked about the situation between Magnussen uh, and Leclerc. Um, Leclerc, heavy crash. Uh, luckily, he was okay after then. Of course, you're in 
uh, fine of the Sojourn Impact, but uh, it just showed how good these cars are. I mean, this crash was, I don't know at what, at what speed uh, in general, but I think it was normally at Parabolica, I think that you're nearly 280-270 kph fast for sure, or a bit less. But yeah, luckily it was okay. Then the red flag came out because the barrier was just completely damaged. Um, so the red flag was 100% a true decision. Um, there's no doubt about it because imagine anyone else um, crashing there. It just has been, it would have been a clear drama because such a crash, if the barrier is damaged, that could have ended very, very bad. Um, so yeah, red flag. Then we also had a very um, a situation where many people were arguing about afterwards. Lance Stroll pitted during the red flag. He wasn't the only driver to do that. Um, I think, yeah, Gasly, Sainz, Norris, they all did that and switched tires during the red flag because it is allowed and it is legal to do that. Um, but the difference is they have all stopped before and Lance Stroll has just done one stop and it was during the red flag. Landon Norris criticized it and said, yeah, it's it's not fair um, because a pit stop's losing you 20 seconds or a bit less uh, behind the safety car. So yeah, they've just waited and it was their decision. But during the red flag to then pit once, I mean, I would have done the same racing point situation because it wasn't forbidden. But there you really have to ask if, if this rule is making sense because of course in the end if Stroll would have came in again um, he maybe could have ended up outside the top 10 but Landon Norris uh, is really the victim of it he missed the podium due to that um, clearly um, so in my opinion this rule is not making a sense because it's not fair everybody is pitted and you can just although you haven't planned it probably uh, you can just pit and say like yeah we're not losing time we're just changing the tires and yeah we're a few two compounds that's legal it's like a loophole um they've used it um do you agree with me that they have to close the loophole and to shut down the opportunity to do uh to pit under the red flag for your once and only time or what is your opinion on that of course, if the rules say that uh, you can do it, if, that it uh, it is allowed, uh, they made the right decision to do that. But I agree with you. Um, you don't usually have red flags uh, during the race, but uh, in case you have it like last week, I think they should change that uh, that rule. And yeah, they shouldn't give the possibility to, to the teams to change tires because, as Landon Norris said. Um, it's unfair, you know, with a pit stop you lose uh, a huge amount of time and uh, if you do it under the red flag you don't lose anything, actually you, you gain positions. So yeah, I think they should mm, uh, look at that rule and maybe change it or change, uh, yeah, uh, something. The FIA should, uh, should have a look at it. Of course, yeah, London Norris uh, lost the podium uh, because uh, all Peter uh, and, and the red flag. Yeah, clearly um, the the fact that he lost out on the podium because of that is nothing to have a doubt on. Um, then we also 
not only had a red flag situation, but a yellow flag situation and a safety car because of Kevin Magnussen parking his car after the parabolica spot. And everybody's, uh, everybody thought like, oh, yeah, it's a safe place. And everybody thought like, yeah, K-Mac, you did a good job um, by parking the car out of danger. Um, I mean, of course, you have to always think uh, that the worst can happen, that anybody can lose it at the, at the inside of Parabolica and somehow spin there. I understand that fully. Um, but for first of all, it was, it was a good idea to park the car there. What nobody knew at that point is the rule says, or the way you have to do it says, you have to park the car at the when you when you don't want to get a safety car or something like that out um, at the marshal post where you can also get the car out of the track, so like completely out of the track, not on the grass, but just out and back into the pits. And there were Kevin Magnuson parked. There was there was a marshal post, but it was no space where you can roll the car out. That is a thing that nobody thought of at this moment. Um, so the nearest thing to get the car out was of course the pit lane. So the only thing they could do to get the car out was to roll it into, pit, into the pit lane, get it back to the horse guys and say, hey, you have the car <laughs> with problem, but here it is. Um, then of course the pit lane was closed, which is the right decision then, because if there are marshals, so real, people who have no chance against an F1 car if it comes to a collision. Uh, I mean, there, there is still that one clip with, I think, Sebastian Buemi clipping a guy and the guy just incredibly moving out. Um, but that's not what you what you can expect. So it was just dangerous to, if they said, yeah, we let the drivers in. And also as Lewis Hamilton came in, you could see that Magnussen was still at the side and it was a dangerous situation. So, Lewis Hamilton pitted while the pit lane was closed and got a penalty for that. And he wasn't the only one to do that. It was Antonio Giovinazzi, he got a 10 second stop and go penalty. It was shown, as I mentioned before, that the pit lane was closed. Of course, you're going at, that, at these speeds um, that you cannot really think about it that clearly. I mean, that's not... I think Lewis Hamilton hasn't ever had that in his career. But he was informed as early as they could have informed him. There's, it was not the case that they informed him like two seconds before he was rushing into the pits and said like, no, 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 move out, move out, because then it's too late. I think then you wouldn't have got a penalty. But from the thing that the FIA has reported, it was um, avoidable, clearly, by both driver and team. So my question is... Um, is the penalty correct? Is it deserved? And what are your thoughts on that whole situation, which of course changed the outcome of the race massively? I think the, the penalty is deserved. And as the FIA said, it was avoidable because all the other drivers, uh, McLaren, Racing Point, uh, they all, they didn't pit. So I think it was avoidable. I mean, they avoided it. So uh, they made right, the right decision. Uh, I don't know if they should have uh, they should have gave should have given given him uh, second stop and go penalty or less. Uh, but you know when you pitch under the safety car, uh, you gain a lot of time because the, the other drivers are going over. I think the penalty is deserved uh, also because the other the other the, the other drivers didn't pit so 
a, it was a mistake from, from the team, I think, firstly, but also from Lewis Hamilton because he, he had in front of him, in front of him the, 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 the red cross, you know, the orange cross in him that the pit was closed and it, there was a dangerous situation. But I think, yeah, the penalty is deserved uh, because other drivers didn't, didn't make the same mistake as well. Yeah, exactly. And for me, it's also not about that other teams didn't do the mistake because, of course, if someone does the mistake, it doesn't mean that, oh, yeah, I did the same mistake and you didn't get such a penalty as I did. So let's just say, yeah, let's do it. Um, and I mean, 10 seconds on go penalty is like the worst penalty you can get. Um, and it's very difficult because no one knew if it was the fault of the team or the fault of the driver because if the team fails to tell him that he has to see the cross if he fails to see the cross the team has to tell him that so it is such a a question of, of relying onto each other um it's so you can, yeah it's a, it's a difficult situation yeah definitely and um also you cannot just then blame either the team or the driver. You have to make a decision on blaming both. And of course, Giovinazzi got the penalty then, the 10-second uh, stop-and-go penalty. And I also directly said, yeah, he got that penalty for the same thing. Lewis has to get it too. Um, of course, he was a bit furious at that. We saw uh, amazing images of him on a scooter uh, traveling to the stewards uh, to see the images because it, his team had none. To really see if the penalty was deserved. I think in the end he also said that it was deserved. So the question is cleared. And I think there's nobody who says that the penalty um, wasn't deserved. because, <laughs> Maybe also because some people said, yeah. Um, I think it is better in the end because Gasly won and not Hamilton again. So yeah. Um, it's like kind of a fan question as well. So, I think we've discussed everything important about the Italian Grand Prix, which has been one of the craziest Grand Prix in the um, newer history of F1. Not because of amazing overtakes, not because of drivers going, I don't know, from, from the pace-wise happening crazy things, but just crazy things next to the track happening and Kevin Magnussen bringing Pierre Gasly his win. So, Italian Grand Prix. We said uh, everything about it, we tick it, it's done. Pierre Gasly is a winner, it's done, you cannot change it, and I think that no one wants to change that as well. We are looking forward, we are at Italy again, uh, we are at Magello in the near Fl uh, Florence, Jesus Christ. Um, Kellen Mal also said uh, by viewing the image behind him at the press conference where Florence was shown, oh, that's a beautiful city. Uh, and the case that he didn't even knew what city it is showed that F1 and F2 never raced there. New track, as I said, um, thousand of F1 Grand Prix of Ferrari. We've seen three practice sessions, we've seen the qualifying. Davide, what are your impressions of the track? First of all, uh, you are an Italian, so you must be pretty pleased with F1 racing not only two, but three times, as we also have um, Imola coming back. But I don't know if you've known that track layout of Magello before, if you've watched other races there, but what is your impression of the track and of the things we've seen there so far? 
of course, I'm pleased to have three races in Italy. Uh, it's amazing. And yeah, I already knew the, the, the layout of the track. I love it. Uh, also because MotoGP race, uh, races there. And I think also the drivers love it, you know, with the downhill, uh, with the Arabiata 1, Arabiata 2. Uh, those corners are, are amazing, you know, flat out, a lot of G, uh, G's forces. Uh, it's difficult to overtake, that is true, but maybe the only spot to over, for overtaking is turn one. But uh, yeah, I love the, the layout of the track. Uh, as well as the driver do so yeah i hope to to see the truck uh, in the f1 calendar in the f1 calendar in the next years uh, i don't think if it's possible but yeah it's a lovely truck in my opinion and yeah i really uh, can't wait to see the race tomorrow because uh, i hope we'll have a lot of action uh, like with with the uh, with it in monza so really can't wait to see to see it to see the race what do you think do you, did you already know the track or is it the first time for you it was the first time for me but i have to admit i also fell in love with it um it's like just speed but it's not speed that you have a straight uh, like for example in indica we just have four corners which are like just oval um but it's like just the slowest corner they go through is in fourth gear so it's a very very challenging track also, Lewis Hamilton even said that, and that's a high opinion, I think, um, when it comes to that. And, of course, it also had the factor of, it is a new track, uh, apart from the Ferrari drivers, no, and, and some drivers before, that which raced there, don't know, 10,000 years ago. Um, no one really had it in mind. I mean, if you, normally Formula 1 is like, you come to the same tracks normally, year by year, and year by year, you know, all the procedures you know uh, how the tracks are you know what you're what you have to do at the tracks and this is a complete new situation we have a new track where no one was racing at before in formula one um so it is a great thing i think um it would have also been uh, the same with zanford and vietnam sadly we are not going to have these uh, races i mean zanford i've been there a couple of times and um there it was still the old tarmac and the old uh yeah track but it still is such an amazing track um so i kind of miss that and look forward to it in 2021 um but yeah Mugello is really in the hearts of fans and drivers and if it's possible i want to see that track in the next years because as you've mentioned it's no circuit where you can easily overtake which i think is an issue when it comes to uh, entertaining races but also what we've seen in formula 2 today there were like on the straight there were like five six seven cars fighting uh maybe we can also see that uh, in formula one with that tight midfield we have uh which was also shown up again in qualifying how tight the midfield is at Mugello. i mean we have mercedes and max verstappen um but i think behind that is going to be very interesting coming to mercedes and max verstappen uh qualifying was today um paul for lewis hamilton very unfortunate for Valtteri Bottas that he couldn't improve on his lap time because Esteban Ocon brought up the yellow flag. So Esteban, it's changed. Um, but yeah, Hamilton and Paul for the 95th time, 100. There's no way I think that you can deny him that fact. Um, so the race tomorrow, what are your expectations? And are you 
in the state of doing predictions. I mean, after that, what we've seen at the Italian Grand Prix, <laughs> I don't think that you are the Finnish guy who bets uh, 20 cents on Gasly's uh, side straw and makes 33k out of it. So, what are your predictions? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not the guy. Uh, he's very lucky, of course. He's been very lucky. Yeah, it's um, the predictions are. I think it's pretty easy to to say that the top three. I think race will end with Hamilton in P1, Verstappen in P2, and Bottas in P3. I think Verstappen will outscore Bottas once again. Then it's uh, the thing. It come. It becomes a little bit more difficult for the midfield. We have Charles Leclerc in P5, which is a very good performance for Ferrari. We have a look. If, if we have a look at uh, the past Grand Prix, you know, in Spa and Monza. So I think he, I hope, and I think can perform um, well. And yeah, I think the the midfield is very tight, and it's difficult to make any predictions um, from the fourth of the grid uh, to the maybe the top ten. You know, the top three it's easy, but from the fourth to the tenth, it's it's not that easy. What, what do you think? Yeah, exactly. I mean, top three is easy. Um, if nothing big happens there, it will be Hamilton. Um, I also think Verstappen will get Bottas because um, he looks very quick. Um, he looks also to be to be able to challenge the um, the Mercedes, which is a very good thing. He also was quicker at some points. Um, also in the practice sessions, he wasn't. I don't know how much fuel they were, fuel they were running then, but the Mercedes went to softs and on the mediums. Verstappen was quicker, so. I think it's going to be very interesting. He seems to love the track and it's very suiting um, to him. And yeah, as you've mentioned, behind, uh, from P4 onwards, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, we have Albon in P4. Um, we don't know about the pace that he has. Um, he can have good results, he can have bad results. Um, either he's going to be a competitor for the for the podium or he's a competitive outside of the top 10 he had everything in the practice sessions and also in the qualifying um then ferrari there's also a question mark for me because we couldn't have quite seen the real pace ferrari had charles leclerc was in p3 and p5 but no one knows if it's just because of ferrari having unexpected pace or if it was because of ferrari knowing the track the most um, but also for, for the other Ferrari teams, uh, Alfa Romeo and Haas, it was like that. We have Roman Grosjean, who was P10 uh, in the in uh, FP3. And then in qualifying, he got knocked out of Q2 without any chance. And also Alfa Romeo is kind of up there. Um, but one prediction I have the balls for to make is that I don't expect much from uh, the Renault-powered cars. So McLaren and Renault. Um, they were lacking of pace a bit in, in FP3 and also in the qualifying. I mean, uh, I think Ricardo is the best position there and Sainz also got through because he kicked his teammate out and is ahead of Ocon because Ocon spun. But I think they're like competitors for P8, P9, P10, but not further. Um, so yeah, the track is not really suiting them. But if I really have to agree on a surprise, um, I think Pierre Gasly from P16 again. He can catch up massively because he has shown great pace in the few practice sessions. Of course, it was very, very, um, yeah, very unlucky that he is just starting from 16th. But you never know. Uh, maybe he can storm through. 
I agree with you uh, about Reno and McLaren. I don't think they will have a great pace. And yeah, I was just about to to ask you if uh, Gasly could, uh, you know, uh, end up in the at least in the top ten. So yeah, you already answered to that question, and I think that will uh, show will perform very very well to tomorrow as he did in in the last races as well. Yeah, Kvyat out qualified him for the second time this year, but I think that Gasly will will get um, the point for the race duel. So, we have absolutely covered everything. We've covered switches, we've covered news, we've covered the last race in Italy, we've covered the upcoming race in Italy. Still crazy to say that. We still have a very interesting season to come up. We have races like Turkey coming up, um, then we're going to Imola, we're going to the Nürburgring, which I personally am looking up uh, to very much because I live very near to the track. It's under an hour I need to there. And um, I've been there a couple of times. Uh, it's a shame that it is without uh, fans, as it seems like. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to the end of the season. Um, in general, I think there's nobody who can really get Mercedes in trouble in terms of uh, the championship, but the midfield is really the, the fight this year, as it was also last year. Yeah, do you have any uh, things you still want to to um, say something on or anything you want to still comment on or give a prediction at that day? Uh, I think the only question is what you think about Vettel. What who will he perform tomorrow? Do you have uh, any idea about uh, how I can can he finish? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Um, I mean, he has been the talking point uh, for the whole week. Um, yeah, it's. A, it's kind of weird because Charles Leclerc is up there fighting in the top 10 multiple times and Vettel is, he struggled to get out of Q1. Um, it was just like lucky in the end that he wasn't kicked out. Then he struggled in Q2 also, was slower than Kimi. Um, I don't know if it's because of the car uh, that is really not suiting him that well. Um, I mean, of course it is, but we don't know to what margin because the Ferrari is like not a car where you can demonstrate things. Um, I feel a little bit, or what means a little bit, I feel very sorry for him because I think he's still a very, very good driver, he had very good times and I can imagine some saying, yeah, he was only becoming champion because of being in the best car and having like given everything and like Max Verstappen said, 60% of the drivers um, can get world champions in a, in a Mercedes and I understand that way of thinking but Nevertheless, he still has shown great, uh, great results, great racing, and also before Formula One and at his Formula One beginnings, he was a driver um, everyone really could just respect. So, I think this season is very unfortunate for him, but I think it's just a low in his career, and that he will get back up again. I mean, if I think of Michael Schumacher, for example. 1996, um, the first year after after the Benetton success, everybody was like thinking, yeah, he's he's the number one driver for two years. But then the first year at Ferrari was a complete nightmare. So I think Sebastian is exactly in that situation. Um, it's good for him to think that he knows that he's safe for next year. Um, and I also think that, especially also from the media point of view, they should not just look onto Vettel and Ferrari and say like, yeah, it's going this is going much worse and much worse and much worse and he's performing bad and bad and bad because it's also not not the best thing for him 
Um, I can't really say where he will finish, um, but I kind of have the feeling that it won't be in the top 10. Um, so yeah, giving over to you, uh, your question to yourself, what do you think will Seb finish? Yeah, uh, the car <clears throat> is not helping Sebastian this year and also in 2019. Uh, he's struggling in this, uh, this uh, during these years of his career. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's difficult to say uh, where he will finish tomorrow. I hope in the top 10, but I actually have to agree with you. Uh, I think he will uh, finish out of the top 10 unless something uh, know, weird happens to, to the car in front. Uh, actually, <clears throat> in front of Kimi Raikkonen would be would be good. You know, he's driving, uh, Raikkonen is driving uh, an Alfa Romeo, Sebastian is, is driving a Ferrari, so the minimum that he can do is uh, getting Raikkonen and finishing in front of him. Okay, I don't expect much from, from him. And yeah, we also have to see if Ferrari has the pace, because actually even Shark can, can drop uh, you know, finish lower than uh, than P5. So yeah, we'll have to see what the race is, what the race will bring tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no one will know what will happen tomorrow, except for maybe to the top three. But yeah, let's see what will happen tomorrow or today. I don't know when the top uh, podcast is coming out. Uh, I haven't planned to to edit it too much, uh, just to keep it. In a very human way just to keep it like a natural conversation you're not just cutting out every every speaking mistake uh, you make in real life and also we are like not british or uh, american people so yeah if you've enjoyed it i think um just give a thumbs up <laughs> that would help us a lot if you've watched it until here type hashtag rattle 10 <laughs> just a random yeah. hashtag <laughs> so uh, maybe it will help him maybe <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's going and maybe it's giving him the crystal balls he has searched for so long. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think until the end, hashtag Petal 10. Yeah, I think he has that sense of humor after what we've seen at Monza that he was just standing there at Parabolica and saying, like, oh, he didn't hit the apex, he did not uh, hit the apex again. That was just incredible to see that. Um, so yeah, hashtag battle10 if you've watched until here. That would be very, very impressive. Um, yeah, also every feedback, every opinion onto what we've discussed here is welcomed. Um, we're always open to discuss with you guys because discussing about Formula 1 is just the best thing to do. Um, if you haven't, go follow us on Instagram um, to be up to date with every news we are having in the Formula 1 world and also from abroad. And yeah, subscribe to this channel if you want to see more. I don't know if future podcasts are coming because it's always a long time question. And also, for example, like when we watch into the Belgian Grand Prix, I don't think that we could have talked about it uh, so long like we could have talked about the uh, Italian ones. Um, so yeah, I try to, uh, and also Packers, we try to do it as often as possible. And if we can, we are going to do this. Um, also so with with the rest of the content then i would say huge thank you uh, thank you to davide also uh, for having the time um for speaking uh with me about so many topics uh, you've done a great job and i think that this conversation was really one i will enjoy listening to so 
thanks a lot to you. It's been a pleasure, actually. Thank you for hosting me. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. So I hope we'll have more podcasts. Yeah, that, I think that will also be the case in the future for sure. So I would say it is already a long podcast, nearly one and a half hour, but it's one full of content, full of every opinion, full of everything. So if you've enjoyed it, just share it with your friends. Uh, even if they are not motorsport addicted, then they will be for sure, because after the Italian Grand Prix, everybody has to be. So yeah, I think um, it's thanks for watching, hearing everything. And from my side, it is goodbye. And I give over to Davide for the last words of this podcast. Yeah, so, so thank you to everyone that listened to the to this podcast. And yeah, as Max said, leave a like and a comment. And we'll see you in the next, po next podcast. So thank you, everyone. And thank you again to you, Max. Yeah, thanks also to you, Davide. And then I would say... It is a warm good boy and hopefully we will see a good race at Magella. We're going to have the, opinion, uh, the option to do a podcast about. Goodbye guys and see ya. Bye.